Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a three times per week college basketball show brought to you in under eight minutes at the time of recording is Sunday, February 4th, 3.15 p.m. My name is Josh Molnix. On today's pod, all kinds of top 10 action this weekend. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me. Three different top 10 matchups to get to today. Josh, let's start in the Big 12. Houston getting their first taste of playing basketball inside Fog Allen. It was, it could have gone better. Jayhawk 78, Houston 65. Uh, and it was pretty much a from beginning to end uh, controlled game from Bill Self's team. Kansas was just throwing the basketball all over the place, and it didn't matter. They were so good when they executed offensively, and then sometimes the ball was, you know, going into the stands. Mm-hmm. But when they were doing the right things, yeah, a thirteen-point deficit doesn't even do justice to what this. And Houston put together some runs to at least kind of make it interesting and not get totally blown out. The the basic thing for me is Kansas's offense can be so good that it just doesn't matter who is playing defense. With the way the bigs were passing the ball, I mean, this was more about Johnny Furphy and KJ Adams than anybody else. Everybody was good and contributed, but those were the two guys who were really carrying this offense. And ultimately, if Kansas is going to win the Big 12, they had to have this game. Houston is going to be just fine without it. We're kind of, again, back to square one. It seems like we just kind of go in circles with this conference. Now Texas Tech is losing, and it's right back there for Kansas to potentially take this and continue to go if they can win games on the road. But, yeah, there was this was Kansas at its peak offensive efficiency, and there was no disputing who the better team was. It's, uh, it's pretty amusing that we've talked so much at this point about – Kansas not like winning really gettable road games like they normally do. And here we are on February 4th and they're tied atop the big 12. Everybody has three losses. Um, Houston, Iowa state, Baylor, Texas tech, all at three losses, Houston and Kansas still a game ahead in the win column. But um, yeah, it was, it was a really important one in terms of, big 12 race um and on this particular day um when kansas you know shooting nearly 70 percent from the floor uh you're just not going to win that game and like you said 13 point the 13 point deficit is probably not uh it doesn't get you all the way there in terms of how convincing of a performance it was the question is going to be as you alluded to can they win these road games because they let the easier quote unquote easier ones slip away? Mm-hmm. That's what they, they can do this to anybody at home. <laughs> That's the, basically the story of the entire big 12, right? Sometimes you might win some road games. You're probably going to beat all these other teams that are also really good at home. Who is going to find a way to get that one or two wins that really turn the trajectory of this conference. And this was Houston's opportunity. Certainly did not take advantage. You're not obviously expecting to win this one. But this could have changed the way that this all felt and really put Houston ahead of the, the pack and 
instead we're back to pretty much the very beginning here where the best teams in this conference are all very, very close bunched together with those three losses. Indeed. In the ACC, UNC 93, Duke 84, North Carolina winning the first meeting between the two teams this year. Of course, we'll also get it again uh, on the last day of the regular season. Per usual, Armando Baycott 25 and 10. And Harrison Harrison Ingram might have been better 21 and 13. He was 8 of 12, 5 of 9 from the three-point line. Uh, a Tar Heels team that I think everyone would have told you uh, was better than Duke uh, coming into this game. And, you know, Filipowski had a good game. The backcourt for for Duke was was convincing in their performance as well. Uh, just a little too much in Chapel Hill uh, from UNC for Duke to for Duke to handle. If you're taking away the positive for Duke, just to get that out of the way, you did score 84 points against this team that's been playing really good defense on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like Duke was terrible. They just simply are not as good as this North Carolina team. And the thing that stood out to me, you mentioned with Baycott and, and Harrison Ingram just dominating and doing whatever they wanted to from the very beginning, too. They got Baycott going yeah. early, and then that continued throughout the game. Yeah, Mark Mitchell just seems to be the only Duke player who's really interested in being physical. We talked about this after the Arkansas game. They just have this tendency sometimes to get bullied, and that's what happened here. Is It wasn't like you needed R.J. Davis to go be the best player in the country. It was just the physicality and the ability of Baycott and Ingram and North Carolina's ability to ride those two guys and to keep feeding them instead of maybe giving R.J. Davis a bunch of extra shots in a game where he didn't need to take them because what they were doing was working and Duke simply had no answer. Yep. 93-84, that's a lot of points. Yeah, like you said, 84, that's a respectable offensive performance. But, I mean, 50% from the field, 25 trips to the line. It, it's, you can take it's, a free throw in the first half either. Right, right. You get you get out you get out free throw chanced by 14, which also is not great. Um, yeah, 84 probably should get you closer to – winning this game than it did, but uh, had a hard time stopping UNC. Yeah. Again, not one you're expecting to win. I'm really intrigued to see what happens in the rematch. But if this was going to be an interesting title race in the ACC, Duke probably needed to win this game. Mm -hmm. And that did not happen. It wasn't a particularly back and forth exciting game, which is really kind of the theme of all of these is that, we didn't get a lot of real intrigue and entertainment down the stretch. There was just one team that was in control for large portions, if not the entire game. And that was certainly the case in this one. UNC two games ahead of the next team in the ACC race, Clemson, Miami, Syracuse, Virginia tech, Virginia, Miami, again, NC state, Notre Dame and Duke is, who remains on their schedule. Yeah, it, they'll they'll have to they'll have to slip up for uh, you know, cuz I would assume that Duke probably doesn't go undefeated until they play again on March 9th either. So, if we're trying to set up a matchup in in the first week of March that could potentially change 
the ACC regular season title, then something that I don't foresee happening is probably going to need to happen for for that to be the case once once we get to March 9th. Yeah. This UNC team is really, really good. And also, do, do you need R.J. Davis? This is the other question I was thinking about. R.J. Davis has been first-team All-American, maybe one of the top three players in the country this season. Do they need him to do that? Sometimes it seems like the answer is yes. And then sometimes Armando Baycott has the kind of games. They were talking about Hubert Davis wants Baycott scoring 20 a night too. That if they can figure out how to balance this a little bit better, it just makes him that much more multidimensional where RJ Davis could go win you the game by himself. But also if he's not shooting the ball well, or teams are really trying to take him away, you also have other guys who can carry the offensive load. Cause that's the one thing we ne- haven't necessarily seen a lot of this season, but we certainly saw against Duke. Yeah, I'm just not sure I care if they need it because I think they'll he'll give it to them every time that they really need it. Yes. And I that's like also, it, it's right. it's it's not an RJ Davis that we were like, wow, he he has discovered efficiency for six weeks at the end of this season. It's right. just that's what is. that's just what he does yeah, at this point. Sure. Um yeah. So we'll uh you know a, a step back 17 only 17 points after his stretch of 28 24 and 36. I mean like whatever. But <laughs> but right. and they still scored 93 points. That right. that's my point is that he's playing like a guy who's carrying an offense and I'm not even sure he actually has to be doing that. He's just been that good that that's kind of the way it's worked out. Indeed. 93-84 UNC the number 3 team in the land now 10 and 1 in ACC play and is making making the making the ACC race very much not that intriguing in a way I wasn't expecting that to take place this particular season if you'd asked me if somebody was going to make it look like that it wouldn't have been UNC that I would pick it would have been Duke that I would have picked to be this much in control of the ACC on February 4th number two Purdue Number six, Wisconsin, Sunday afternoon in Madison, Purdue 75, Wisconsin 69. The highlights are four of the five starters from Purdue in double figures led by Lance Jones, who's having quite the, you know, I mean, you could go two, three weeks back uh, in terms of the stretch of play that he's in. That's been really good for Purdue. Zach Eady, 18 and 13. Braden Smith, uh, you know, quick reminder, not on the Bob Cousy Award finalist list, but that's okay. He had 19 points and was really the guy at the beginning of this game who set the tone for Purdue, made four of his first five shots, might have even been five of his first six, um, to really get things going. But um, Purdue does enough. Uh it probably was a little bit more stressful at the very end than it needed to be, but death taxes and Purdue making a game where they were clearly the better team for the entire game. Stressful at the very end. That's what I was going to say. It's can't expect anything else, right? This is just how it's going to be. I can't Dominic. even finish writing it. I can't even finish typing out a tweet about how awesome Braden Smith is before he <laughs> dribbles into four people at the half court line. I can't even yeah. finish. Yeah. I can't even finish typing it. And then you had yes. that the potential flagrant follow at the end that who knows what happens if that gets called. I'm very much in support of the call. To me, that's not a flagrant, but you just never know these days. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can never just be easy for 40 minutes, especially against good teams for Purdue. Dominated the glass. Like you said, Lance Jones is just on one right now. Mm-hmm. They got six points out of the outside of those four players. 
Yeah. It's not like they were spectacular. Zach Eady didn't score 30 points, you know, and yet top 10 offense that they played held them to under 70. Wisconsin scoring 74, 80 points typically. That matters too. On the road, no less. They're just clearly the best team in the Big Ten. The other thing I was thinking about here too is, okay, so you got this one out of the way. You won it. You're very much in control of the Big Ten title race now. Obviously, Wisconsin's going to get a chance to go win in Mackey. Not expecting that to happen. But their road Purdue's road games left are Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois. Illinois is obviously going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Those other two, relatively speaking to the rest of the Big Ten, are very manageable. And then you got a bunch of home games in there that you expect mm-hmm. Purdue to win every time they step foot in Mackey. Right? Because there have been all of these, okay, you know, per- Northwestern, difficult. Rutgers has not been good for Purdue. You can go down the list of all of the challenging Big Ten games. Even mm-hmm. when Wisconsin's not having a great season, that's not a fun place to play. Now they're a really good basketball team. It's that much more difficult. And Purdue has still, yes, with some bumps along the way, but fewer than everybody else, managed to navigate all of this. And you're probably going to have one more loss in there somewhere. But I'm just looking at the schedule going, I feel very confident this is this was pretty much the turning point in the title race where we're not quite to the same extent as UNC because just mathematically they're farther ahead, but that something is going to have to go horribly wrong for Purdue not to win this thing outright. Agreed. Agreed. And they're on nine and two in conference. Like you said, the, the road opportunities um, are not as sorry, 10 and two. It has not updated yet. So they're 10 and two in conference. Um, it's, it's manageable. It's manageable for sure. There's they're going to, I, they're going to make Wisconsin win a ton of games to keep, just to keep up with them much less, uh, grab a share of the Big Ten title, and it's it's entirely possible Wisconsin's still within a game heading into that finale. Sure, but then you got to win in Mackey to <laughs> right, right. You Purdue has that sitting there, even if this does get a little bit interesting. Is they still have to actually beat us in our place after we already beat them in theirs and handled them pretty pretty well. Yep. Yeah, Wisconsin. Away games are Michigan, Rutgers, Iowa, Indiana, and then Purdue for what that's worth. Right. So there are uh, a couple of ones in there that you you go, oh, they should win that, but that's tricky, just like Nebraska, for example. And we know how that went for both of these teams. Indeed. Indeed. Anything else from this game from the weekend? We could have done an entire other podcast talking about other games. I mean, my goodness. Right. Between, I, I do want to give a shout out to Zakai Ziegler because he's taken some strays with the Braden. Braden Smith being left off the Koozie Award. He was spectacular in that Kentucky game, and everybody outside of Delta Connect started scoring points. Mm-hmm. If that's what Tennessee is going to be, watch out. Question is, is that who Tennessee is going to be? <laughs> uh, I think the Iowa State Baylor game was the most bizarre basketball game I have ever seen in terms of the <laughs> amount of times I went, "What in the world am I hap- What what am I watching? What is happening?" Sure. And if that is the Baylor should have won that game way easily, more easily than they did. But if that's the thing that takes Iowa State out of the Big 12 title race, or they come up a game short because they were two halves of a second, two tenths of a second away from getting that shot to go with all the very bizarre. And, you know, we didn't even mention the fact that Stanford is playing both UCLA or both LA teams. Juju Watkins was 
spectacular week. Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible, incredible weekend. So many things. A lot of basketball going on. A couple of other things I'll mention. Cincinnati goes on the road yep. and beats Texas Tech. That's a uh, that's a big Big 12 outcome right there. One that you weren't expecting Texas Tech to lose at home necessarily. Cincinnati, that's a massive win for them. The Oklahoma tailspin continues. Um, they were 23rd in the rankings this week. I'm guessing they'll probably drop out. They lost to UCF 74 to 63. They now share the same record as UCF in Big 12 play. Not something I would have expected. Texas, if if Texas could have just beat UCF and West Virginia in their stretch earlier in the season, like in Big 12 play, I mean, the rest of their losses are Texas Tech, BYU, and Houston. And the Houston game, they almost grabbed. So, you know, Texas, they get a very, very nice road win uh, against the top 25 opponent in TCU. Just line them up and have play top 25 teams every week. Sure. I mean, that's the solution. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, those are some of the highlights. Like you said, a ton of basketball this weekend Uh, can only get so much into into the show. Josh, anything else? That's all I've got. Butler also big win. We should mention that. There you go. Shouts to the dogs. Shouts to the dogs. Um, yeah, that over 500 in Biggie's play for the first time since uh, at, at this point in the Biggie schedule since uh, February of 2020. So shouts to the dogs and uh, shouts to you, the listener, for being here. Appreciate you very much. That's going to do it for this edition of the Under 8 podcast. It is February 4, 3.33 p.m., be sure to subscribe to the podcast where you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Remember, three times a week now instead of five, uh, which means we will be back on Tuesday evening to talk about whatever's happened in the next 48 hours or so. Until then, thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next time.